I've got my okay. wizard's robe on because I didn't have a Superman cape. And uh, <laughs> and we're going to <laughs> attempt. And in the love spirit of, of superheroes, we're going to attempt, attempt the impossible. And we're going to try to repeat a conversation that we had last time. Oh, right, right, right. Okay, hold on. Before we go with that, so <laughs> so is this for anchor we're doing first? Or we, yeah, we're doing the anchor yeah, bit yeah, first. Yeah, bit okay, so we're talking about your awakening. Uh, my awakening, yes. Yeah, just so that you remember. And we're talking about wisdom leadership, right? And whatever else shows up in between, which I'm probably sure there will be. Yes. So as we're repeating ourselves, we're going to, of course, end up saying something completely different and have some fun along the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I'm up for that. My awakening. I have this awakening Mm -hmm. experience that I tell it and it kind of sounds like I had this amazing enlightenment experience and it was actually horrible. It was like, um, it sounds all good. It sounds like all of the things that people talk about, but the experience of it was really painful and unsatisfying. And so then it took me a long time to get over that and to kind of figure out what the real enlightenment was, the thing that actually works for me. And uh, yeah, it was, it was hard. It was tough. And it still is kind of looking back on it. It's kind of one of the biggest traumas of my life was my awakening. And it's led me to this, this desire to help other people with their awakening because I don't think it has to be so hard. I, I can see that it if I'd had someone to guide me, I could have gone through that so much easier and so much faster. I think. I did. did you I'm from I mean I'm referencing some some of the things I I re- remember, but didn't you seek out some support or something like that along well, the I journey? Had, I the was time. hoping to get that support, I remember. <laughs> At the time I was with, um, I was doing yoga, yoga and meditation and uh, with an Andamaga community, which is a very precise, they call themselves tantric, tantric in the sense that Tibetan Buddhism is tantric. It's uh, not like Uh. the popular Western Tantra, but um, more like specific detailed practices. It's like every, every technique is kind of like the technologies of of spirituality and awakening. And so did that help you or did that well, confuse you? it got me you? to a certain point. It got me to a okay. point of, of discovering God and discovering the love of God and devotion. Um, I, I was sitting there after having done a lot of meditation and a lot of chanting. We were, we'd actually done a whole day of, of kirtan, of chanting. And, and I, so I was in a fairly uplifted state and I heard people talking about devotion talking about love of God and how profound that was an, an experience for them and mm-hmm. and I said I have no idea what they're talking about I'd like to experience it I said this inside my head and that was it I did experience it all I had to do was ask yeah but it came with a kind of this this longing desire it's very much like a unfulfilled love affair with God and mm. and uh, that was all very powerful and intense and palpable, but it wasn't peaceful and satisfying. Mm. And so 
so yes, I was part of this this yoga tradition, and I had this awakening, and I started talking to people about it, asking the the meditation teachers about their advice. I remember one one that I spoke to, and he said, "There's two options: either you're a saint, or you've got problems with your father." Oh, I don't remember you sharing this last time, so I'm glad we're re-recording. This is where we get the good bits. Okay, what do you mean he said that, and what did you say to that? Well, I said, okay, but he said, he just went on and said, okay, so I'm going to take the second option that you've got problems with your father because it's easier to deal with, and we'll try and deal with that one first. (laughs) But it must have been the other one because the problems with the father didn't, didn't help very much. And I think what he means by a saint is that this kind of experience of really intense longing um, and desire for God and not being satisfied. And this, I was just crying all the time, crying, crying, crying. This kind of intensity is something that he would have only heard about in stories of Ramakrishna and stories of some of the Indian saints where they, they got to this kind of level of of intense emotional feeling about God. And so it's kind of an un, unusual experience for many people. Um, I think a lot of people have some experience of the longing and devotion, but it doesn't go to that depth. So what can you say? Complete incompetence, <laughs> inability to handle the world. Um, And in some way, it has led me to a greater awakening and a greater sense of the spiritual world and an ability to help others in their journey. So I don't know if that's a saint. If it is, maybe I am. But I'm not a very saintly saint. I'm a fairly, fairly human saint. Got all my well, there are, and stuff. well, there are there are different types of saints. I think you can be allowed to be a different kind of saint <laughs> too if you choose. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so yeah, I had this this these yoga meditation teachers at the time, and and they were not really able to help. And eventually, I shifted out of that practice and started trying out other things. I started trying out. Um, spiritual healings of different kinds, all kinds of different spiritual traditions. Eventually, after many, many years, I, I went to a Chinese Qigong Dallas teacher, and he was one that really put me on track. He didn't kind mm-hmm. of answer the questions, but he gave me the basic foundation blocks to be able to move on. And uh, that was relax. He said, I'm happy to hear that. He said, in his class, he he taught, relax, like at the beginning of every class, we're Mm -hmm. standing there and his his basic intro about how we're going to do this class. Relax, think about something else. I don't want to see anyone concentrating. If it gets difficult, go and have a cup of tea. This was his his, uh, blurb for the class. And then we did a Qigong form that was all about learning to relax. It was like we would try to open the fingers without using any tension Mm. and try and close the fingers without using any tension. Just kind of relax into allowing that movement to happen. 
uh, and it was a profound experience because after mm. only a couple of sessions, you know, maybe I've been training for a month, which one 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 or two hours every week, and doing a little bit of practice in between, but not much. I was growing muscles I'd never had before, and and I was losing weight, and all we were doing wow. was, was this kind of thing. See, my God, Qigong <laughs> um, is pretty freaking magical. Like, stuff. I mean, what the hell? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I haven't heard about that that happening with the magic and stuff. But <laughs> I mean, the muscles and things. But it was. I, I believe it. This particular technique was based on tightening the muscles in your butt. So everything else relaxes, but you strengthen your center. And it's the same as in mm. Pilates, you would strengthen the center being your belly. This is in your butt. Still your center, the different kind of center. Which comes back to a, a lot of what I've discovered about different kind of centers. So this was a particular center that actually worked really well for me. And so this kind of centering exercise, this is one I come back to a lot, and I still use that one. And it sounds powerful. Grows yeah, into Tai Chi, and, it, and it's kind of relaxed and easy. And and the big difference between the the feeling of this practice and the yogic practice is it's it doesn't have an ecstatic, amazing, powerful experience. It has a really relaxed, easy, calm experience. And after that intensity, I was very happy with that. It was mm. like instead of meditating and having an amazing experience, I could meditate and have a really, really normal experience. You just take one little step towards a little bit of peace. And the next day I would take another little step towards a little bit more peace. And it just kind of sat with me. So this was the first real uh, direction that really helped for me. And then moving on, Eventually, I, I didn't get much more guidance that really helped me, but I was able to explore for myself and find myself in some way. And what I found was that I had to give up on love, that I love you, I love you. It keeps the duality, keeps the, the two separate. And if the two are allowed to become one, I can't say I love you anymore. They say we are happy, we are in joy, we are dancing. It's we, not I and you. And that experience was the, the kind of profound alleviation of all of this intensity that I'd had. Suddenly it's like, oh, okay, this is nice. And so this is oneness. And, and I came to really believe that oneness was very important. And it's certainly very important for me. And I think it's important for the world as well. And, and for an understanding of spirituality. There's a, a common perception in the spiritual world at the moment. I find that people talk about unconditional love and they talk about devotion, they talk about this experience of love, you know, love is all there is, or love is the answer. 
and it still contains that duality in it, this I love you. There's nothing wrong with having this experience if you like it, but what is wrong, I think, is to see this as the highest level of spiritual experience that's possible and then to say, I've, I've got there and I'm not going any further. Uh, you can get there and not go any further if you want to, but it's, it's not it. There's more than that. <laughs> it's good for us to know that. Yeah, there's, there's yes, a more steps agree. to take. Yeah, get to yeah. Beyond love to I, I and you are one. And we can mm. get even beyond that to I and you don't really exist. There is only nothing, which is the one that's really hard to talk about. And you get kind of funny descriptions of it when you, when you try. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a fair point. It is a fair point. You're right. It's true. Um, and, but I also feel that the, the, what I came to learn after that, after, out of that experience, I really came to this point of wanting to help other people with their spiritual awakening. But then I had to figure out how, mm. how to help people. And, and it's not the same thing for everybody. People need different things. And so I began to learn that Maybe for some people this oneness is more important than for others and and maybe the pathway and the feeling of it is a little bit different and how can we find what works for for each person. And I eventually had some intuition about this, that there are seven different paths. I actually sat down and asked for the, the key to happiness. And I wasn't given the key to happiness, I was just told there's not one key to happiness. There are seven different ones and you have to get the right one. Yeah, all in one moment, no words, yeah, all in one moment of, of direct knowledge. But that was all it was. I wasn't given any of the details. So I then spent years figuring out what these seven paths were and what, these, what this is. And it's come to where I am now that I describe it as centering, but we center in different chakras. If you find the chakra that is the most peaceful, relaxed, comfortable chakra for you to center in, to be in, to sit in, that creates your spiritual center, your peaceful, calm nature, your pathway. And different spiritual traditions are essentially looking at bringing you into one of those centers. Some of them will attempt to bring you into whatever center it is that is yours, but most of them will actually focus on one particular center and therefore are particularly appropriate to certain different kinds of people. I need a drink. Nice. Yeah.
but a long awkward pause. I, I hope uh, you sang or something to keep everybody entertained. No, I didn't at that <laughs> moment in time because we didn't. I yeah, you just kind of happily. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So where are we? What's the next question? Happiness. We were talking about happiness and how you got the seven types of mm -hmm. happiness. Speaking of happiness, mm -hmm. one of my good friends once said to me, I don't know about happiness. I don't think being happy would make me happy. <laughs> And what did you say to him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it kind of made sense <laughs> because the point was it's not about just being happy for yourself. It's about mm. finding a meaning and meaning is in giving and helping others. And mm. so, and so the, the journey to my own happiness is not satisfying. What's satisfying is to journey to happiness together where we are helping myself and helping others. Um, I think a lot of people find that that's something that grows after a certain point of awakening, get to a certain point, and then it becomes really clear that it's no longer my own journey, it's something we have to do together. Totally agree with that, yeah, absolutely agree. Um, Teal Swan's got a good good explanation of that. She calls it the second awakening. She says the first awakening, everything is perfect and I am part of everything and there's this beautiful harmony with the whole universe. And then you realize, hang on, I'm part of everything and that includes everybody else's suffering around me. I can't just sit here and enjoy myself. I have to get out there. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of feels in some way like a step down because you're not so perfectly blissful and happy you're actually coming back down into connecting with all of this mess that's, that's around you. None of my awakenings have occurred that way for yeah. me so they've all been more like a messy birth than than you know kind of it all being kind of smooth and easy but I think it, it, you know I think it is what it's going to be really at the end of the day however the awakenings are for you i don't think you get a lot of say about how they're designed you just it's it's just to do with how that journey is going to be for you right so it's a, it's a nice soulful way of thinking about it mm -hmm. i tend to be a little bit more um masculine shall we say this is how it it's should okay be. we're going to make it better um <laughs> <laughs> you can you can serve it up i got no problem with that either <laughs> i got no problem <laughs> with that too um i was just saying to you that from my experience thus far especially when you we talked about my two awakenings and then did i think that i might have a third one <laughs> was, um, was that you know exactly if, if it is served up that i would like it exactly to be more of uh, more of the the it being more smooth and and all of those sorts of things but yeah like i said it's going to be what it needs to be so mm -hmm. we just have to kind of swim with it in the way that it is but but the the sharing of it with others is yeah that's the great bit that for me is yeah really great 
one of the lessons I get out of my story is you get what you ask for. Mm. And that can be a dangerous thing. I would take that one step further and say, sometimes we ask for things and we get a very different answer than what we think that we're, <laughs> that we, we're gonna get. Well, yeah, or we, we have no clue. Yeah. Sometimes I would, I would go so far as saying, you know, it's not the case that we, we, we are not powerful beyond measure. We are powerful beyond measure. And that situations like this that bring it to, into being to show us that we are. Mm-hmm. But we just have no clue. There's a, a concept that I've heard that uh, why is it that we aren't given superpowers? Because um, all of the havoc that would be created by one little stray thought if you had the superpowers to, to go with your, the power of your thoughts. And so it's kind of really lucky that our powers are a little bit limited because we only make a, only do like a small amount of damage to ourselves and not. <laughs> but I think we're reaching a point now where our superpowers are awakening. Yes. Uh, and <laughs> and and I'm quite excited about that part, really, yes. because for so long we've been, you know, made to feel or tried to, you know, exactly tr- made to think that we aren't these limitless beings and that we don't have these, you know, limitless powers. And, you know, deep down, I've never really believed that if I be very honest, because I always thought that we were. And so for me, it's kind of like now I get to exercise what I know deep down to be really true. Yes. And it feels very liberating, you know, I don't feel shackled anymore, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I think the difference is, moments where I had glimpses of it, they no longer just need to be glimpses because being fully embodied inside of it, um, quite frankly, there are times when, you know, being, you know, being my superpower and, 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 and being that, um, somehow just, I don't know, it's just very liberating. It's very exciting. It's just limitless possibilities exist. And I think we can take our humanness way too serious. Yes, we certainly can. And um, at times like this, it's great to kind of get into that zone and, and express these other parts of ourselves and see what happens. Mm. And I think the the kind of superpowers, the kind of intuitive abilities and possibilities that that we have with our mind, they kind of naturally come slowly, step by step, after you do a certain amount of work on yourself. Um, And they come very naturally if we allow them to, to, to use them and let them come in. I think also, I think also with it that, that certain situations uh, like give rise or give, give, yeah, give rise to the awakening of your superpowers as well. Because if those situations don't get created in a certain way, then, then, you know, those superpowers you know, awaken you, for example, to kind of 
like get you out of that situation or like move you in a different direction. And yet it's kind of that crisis point or that moment that's, that you're in that, that, that birthing happens. And that's the incredible part about it too. One of the concepts that I find is quite useful for helping people to kind of get their first handle on their intuitive abilities is is the four different kinds of intuition that people have. Um, one of them is seeing, it's basically the senses. So you see or you hear or you feel or you just know. And so some people, they'll kind of see visions or they'll be able to sense, see auras in some way. Some people feel things with their fingers. Some people can kind of imagine hearing voices of some kind. And some people just kind of get this direct knowledge. And I often get people saying that they feel like they're not intuitive because they don't have one of the other ones. Someone who really has a lot of direct knowledge and they just kind of know things without knowing where it comes from, but they've never seen an aura and so they feel like they're not intuitive. It's like, just look at what you do have, what you can connect to and, and follow that and you will get more. Um, I, I have a particular sensitivity to feeling. Um, and I remember thinking that I, thinking that I, I was very kind of skeptical about the whole spiritual abilities and God and all of these things that people were playing with and believing in. And sometime after I'd had this uh, first awakening experience that I talked about, which was somewhat painful, I was uh, giving someone a massage and I was massaging them and I was just touching very lightly and realized I could feel very lightly where their tension was and where their relaxation was in their body. I'd been practicing massage and I was just very lightly doing that. And I realized, hang on, I don't even need to, need to touch and I can do that. I just run my fingers over and I can feel where the tension is and where the tension is not. And then I looked at myself and went, hang on, I don't believe in this stuff. I'm doing this stuff. I don't believe in God even. And I've had this experience of God and then have this powerful feeling of love. What, what is this not believe thing? And so <laughs> it's, it was a, became a little bit ridiculous. So I was not believing in things that I was actually doing. Mm. Um, so that was, was a very interesting experience too, because then I had to kind of put doubt on my own doubt and ends up being difficult to doubt anything anymore because it's like, how do you know? Where's the, where's the edge? I've already passed the edge long ago into the impossible. So what's, what's possible? Who knows? <laughs> hmm. So how did that, how did that, where did, how did, where did that process take you from there? Oh, it just becomes a, a fun exploration now to see what, see what there is, what, 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 how far can I take this? 
why can it mm. go? Um, yeah, it can be really, really interesting exploration. So, so I could feel, sense things and gradually I learned to expand those senses and I, I did some spiritual healing working on the auras and yeah. and so learning to I kind of run the fingers along and feel what I can feel under the fingers and really paying attention to the aura and by doing that I awakened my ability to see as well and so I started to be able to see the, the auras because I was paying so much attention to them and then I never really got to hear things. Sometimes the knowledge comes, but I awaken those ones. And seeing, seeing energy, seeing auras, I still, still experience it as a kind of feeling. It's like feeling sensations with my eyes. So this is my, my approach and it's much easier for me to do things that are to do with feeling than to do with anything else. And it's very easy for me, for example, to um, feel how my body needs to move. If I'm doing a, uh, I do some Bowen therapy, which is a kind of body work. And there's a, it's a body work that doesn't have much in the way of diagnostics. You have to kind of just know what to do. And I find that I can allow my hands to go where they need to go and do what needs to be done and they do the right thing. I don't really know. I can't kind of go, I know what needs to be done. I have to actually let my hands do it and then I see what my hands do. That's my approach. Really great. Yeah. What did you call it? What's the method called? Bowen. B-O-W-E-N. Bowen. It's a really interesting one. It's mm. it's kind of um, cross between meditation and massage. It's a very little, very little amount of massage and a lot of meditation. And it has quite. It sounds. Mm. It sounds very you, also. Yeah, yeah. It's very me. It's very relaxed and um, mm. very uh, lazy. No, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say it's lazy. I'm lazy because it's like, and this is lazy because it's like minimum effort, you know. You do a little bit of, we do this move, we massage this little bit, and then you go off and make a cup of tea while they're waiting, while they're experiencing it and come back in five minutes and then do a little bit more. Um, well, very... I would say I would say that what you're feeling into is, it, you know, sometimes it, you can feel into a lot, right? And it doesn't. That's what's different too. Yeah, your your um, um, seem to you're be shifting re- a lot. You can be shifting a lot when it seems as if you're not. That's yeah. what I'm trying to say. Yeah, absolutely. You're going to shift a lot when you do any kind of energy work it's not indicative of how much of the body you've actually touched or moved or not but you can move the whole thing right so that's Uh, what i mean it's just the experience of doing it is it's very different to doing say reiki or Uh, or okay where you're really like if you're doing reiki or shiatsu or a lot of massage forms you really have to do a lot of work you have to like sit Mm. there and really concentrate and be there right This this is like 
I do this little bit and then I go off and do something else. You know, it's, it's, it doesn't take uh, much effort. Um, yeah, so does. I would say it's quite effortless is the yeah, point. Yeah, effortless, yeah. It does <laughs> You're creating an effortless people. practice yeah. inside of it, which to be honest, you know, I'm sure there's lots of people who would love to, to be able to be effortless. But I think the thing that, that I think you do very well, which perhaps maybe you just kind of take for granted, is that being effortless is a very high way of being. Yeah, I know also it's very difficult to get it right, you know. When you're being effortless, you have to do just a little bit and just exactly the right thing, and then it works. But if you do do it not quite right, then it kind of doesn't do anything at all. So, you know, there's an art to it. Absolutely. Um, I remember somebody noticing this about me when I was um, their their trousers got stuck in the chain of the bicycle, and they were kind of trying to get the trousers out, pulling them, and I kind of just took the bicycle pedal and pedaled it just just that little bit that allowed the trousers to just come out. That's what it's like. It's like. If you do just that tiny little bit, it will do everything that you need to do. But if you turned the wheel the wrong way, it would be a disaster. Absolutely. And I would say that the French, we use a good word for that too, and that all depicts the energy of that mm. effortlessness, which is finesse. Yes. Like it takes a certain finesse, exactly. right? Yeah. And so that's indicative of being effortless means that exactly there's a certain mastery in one's being that makes that possible right so mm -hmm. somebody who come up to that person's you know on a bike wouldn't necessarily know how to do that and probably would have maybe made the whole thing a lot worse yeah. right yeah. <laughs> and, and i felt like after studying for two years to learn bowen therapy it took me 10 years to actually know what i was doing okay it's like it's hard it's really hard right right but uh but yeah, very easy when you get it. 